did the how did the power of God enable Paul to endure all kinds of, of trials and how does it help us? You realize it's not up to us. When you're going through trials, there are times you wonder, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? And when you're in the ministry, quite frankly, and, and this goes not just for me or Jack, it goes for all of us, when you're when you're ministering to people, there are great heartaches. Great heartaches because you realize you minister to people who have absolutely no response to what you're saying. They nod their head and then they go out and do whatever they want to please, regardless of, of what the Bible has to say. And there are times you wonder, why am I doing this? Am I talking to a wall? The Apostle Paul is not the only person who endured. William Wilberforce, who campaigned for years to abolish the slave trade in Great Britain, once wrote, So enormous, so dreadful, so irredeemable did the slave trade's wickedness appear that my own mind was completely made up for abolition. Let the consequences be what they would. I from this time determined that I would never rest until I had effected its abolition. And yet in 1790, after another in a long string of defeats in Parliament, he was tired and discouraged. He opened his Bible and a paper fell out. It was a letter that John Wesley had written to him shortly before his death. It said, Unless the divine power has raised you up, I see not how you can go through your glorious enterprise in opposing that abominable practice of slavery, which is the scandal of religion, of England, and of human nature. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of His might. And that's what he did. Hi, welcome to Verse by Verse and the expository Bible teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and our topic is hindrances to the gospel. As long as I'm quoting William Wilberforce, here's something else he said that I believe is profound. He said, If you love someone who is ruining his or her life because of faulty thinking, and you don't do anything about it because you are afraid of what others might think, it would seem that rather than being loving, you are in fact being heartless. In verse 7, Paul said that he endured in the word of truth. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here's Pastor Steve. What we want to do is not tell people their felt needs. We tell them their real needs. People don't know what their real needs are. You and I didn't know before coming to Christ what our real needs were. God showed us, but he showed us in accordance with his word, the truth. You see, the one thing that makes us bold to endure all kinds of hostilities and not waver, though we're tempted to, and we're all tempted to because nobody likes uncomfortable situations and the awkwardness of telling people what they don't want to hear. But the one thing that that emboldens us to, to do this in the service of Christ is this. We have the truth. We're not making this stuff up. It's not our opinions. Paul didn't change his message or make it more appealing, regardless of the awkwardness of the situations he found himself in. And the reason he didn't do this is because he knew what people needed to hear, and that was the truth. The truth. That is so important. It's not politically correct today to, sell, to say the truth. You might be labeled as intolerant. You might be labeled as archaic. You might be labeled as prejudiced and biased, but... That is not the issue at all. The issue is, is it true? Is it based on God's word? And for us to distort or tamper with this message 
is to mislead eternal souls and damn them to hell. God forbid we should ever be light on sin. God forbid we should tell people they don't need to repent. God forbid we should we should tell them that they don't need to commit themselves to Christ, that salvation means just saying a prayer and you're in and it has nothing to do with uh, with commitment to him. If we do that, we are distorting the gospel. Distorting. Let, let's go back to chapter 2 again. And let me refresh you of what Paul is really saying here. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 14. Remember Paul said, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. That is, every place we go as we proclaim the gospel, there's an aroma of God that comes from us. It's, it's the gospel. But you know what? It's a, it's a sweet aroma. It should be, but it's not received that way by everybody. What some people smell is a sweet aroma. Others people think it stinks. And he tells us that in verse 15. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death. To an unbeliever who's not interested in, in hearing about Christ, we stink. The message is horrible. It's, it's, it's horrible. But it's death to death. There's a stench to it. Because we tell people that if they don't repent and trust Christ, they're going to go to hell. They want to hear that to the other an aroma from life to life. Those who are interested in the gospel and what we have to say to them is the the sweetest message and sweetest smelling aroma they've ever, ever had. And Paul says, do you realize that we have a message that tells people about eternal death and eternal life? That the simple message of the gospel that that we bring determines whether people go to heaven or hell. And that's why he ends verse 16 by saying, who's adequate for these things? Who can handle this? In chapter 3, he'll say, only God can make us adequate. Only God can give grace. But notice how he, how he brings us to a head in verse 17. For we are not like many peddling the word of God. We're not like the false teachers who tickle people's ears and tell them what they want to hear. We're not selling anything. We're not making it more attractive by distorting it. We don't back off and lower and compromise the standards of Scripture. We don't peddle the Word of God. We're not selling anything. But as from sincerity, but as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. We speak the truth as it's been given to us, as if Christ himself was watching us. Why? Because Christ himself is watching us. That's why. So the gospel message is the only message that will lead lost souls to Christ in heaven. Therefore, it would be the, the height of, of, of a spiritual crime. It would be a spiritual atrocity of the highest form with tragic consequences to distort this message in order to avoid conflicts. Nobody likes conflicts. If anybody likes conflicts, they're odd, peculiar. Nobody likes them. But we don't avoid them by backing down from the truth. That's how you endure. Now, how does this apply to you? How does it apply to those who are not in public as, as preachers? Well, it means that you don't have to wonder what to tell people when you minister to them. It's not your opinion. It's not a guessing game. You tell people the truth of God's word. If it's an unbeliever, then you tell them the plan of salvation. If it's a believer, then you tell them a believer who needs to repent. Then you confront them about their sin. Now, of course, you speak the truth in love, the Bible says. When we talk about boldness, we don't mean being callous and harsh. But what we need to realize is that what helps you and I to endure all of life's trials and conflicts with people is to know that you're not out there alone trying to figure this stuff out. You are people 
who have boundaries set for you. There are limitations. This is the truth. Give it to people. You've been given a Bible to tell others the truth. And if people don't like it, you know what? Then they just don't like it. But it's still the truth, whether they like it or not. It's, it's kind of like holding a gun to somebody and they say, well, I don't believe that. Whether they believe it or not is inconsequential. If it's loaded and you pull the trigger, it still has an impact on them. So it doesn't really matter if people say, well, I don't believe that. It still is the truth. You didn't make this stuff up anyway. It's God's truth. So if you want God's enabling grace in stressful situations, it's very simple. Be committed to the truth. Telling the truth. That's what God has provided to help you to serve him so that you're not trying to figure it all out. What do I do and how do I handle this? It's all there for us. Now, that's the first resource provided by God that enables us to endure under pressure. It is the word of truth. And I hope you're committed to that. That's what Paul was. Paul said, I didn't come giving my opinion. I I didn't come to to them as a philosopher. I didn't come trying to impress them. I came with the truth. That's what helps me to endure. There's a second resource that uh, Paul mentions that enables him and all of us to endure under pressure. He says in verse 7, it is in the power of God. Now, let's put this together. Not only was Paul's preaching true, but it was done in God's power, which means that his preaching was more than a proclamation of truthful Bible statements. It is not enough to just give Bible information. When you have a ministry, you're not just dispensing information. This is not Bible trivial pursuit. We're not just given facts. Paul said, when I preached, God worked in power to save people and transform their lives. That's what happened. In other words, there was an effectiveness in Paul's ministry that could not be explained any other way. How would you explain Paul's ministry? He says in in chapter 10, he said that um, his presence wasn't very impressive. And he said that you you actually claim that my speech was contemptible. Could you imagine? And let me read this again to you. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive. They're saying is he's a little ugly guy. That's what they're saying. That's a nice way of saying a little ugly guy. And his speech is contemptible. Not only is he ugly, he can't speak. I mean, that's that's not a complimentary phrase. So how would you explain Paul's ministry? He didn't come with eloquence. It wasn't his personal presence. It wasn't because he was six foot four and had a commanding voice. You depend on that stuff. That's carnal. That's what the world looks for. That's what the world gets impressed in. But Paul tells us that it was the preaching of the gospel. It it was the fact that he didn't rely on that other stuff, but on God's word. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And and he expands on this like no other place. This will help you. This interprets what we're talking about. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He writes to the Corinthians that when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come as a philosopher. I didn't come as a, as a uh, uh, person who's giving my own opinions or man's wisdom. He said, here's what I did, though. Verse 2. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul, Paul doesn't mean that he didn't know anything else. But what he meant is that what he said to them was about Christ. He preached Christ and the cross. Preached the gospel to them. He didn't preach their philosophy, didn't try to impress them with uh, his oratory skills. Verse three, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And that's a very encouraging statement. 
Paul, Paul is telling us he wasn't just bold in the sense that he didn't have any fears, any concerns. He said, I trembled. I trembled, though I had the word of God, though I came with the truth. I trembled. So next time you feel a little little shaky and you're witnessing to somebody and you gulp a little bit and your heart is racing, understand that's what Paul went through. But he didn't deviate from his message. He says in verse 4, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. I didn't come giving you man's wisdom. I didn't give you psychology. I didn't give you secular thinking. I didn't give you the wisdom of this world. I didn't throw out Jewish thinking or Greek philosophy. He said, but... In demonstration of the spirit and power, what I did give to you was the word of God and it came in power and it came as the spirit applied it to your heart. Why? Verse five, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I wanted your faith to rest on God's word, not my opinions. That's that's where why God worked in Paul's life. That's where the power is. Understand this, that Paul said, I just stick to the message. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to the message. I'm not going to try to improve on it. I'm not going to try to make it culturally relevant to you. I'm not going to change the wording and so that you'll think it's, uh, it's more impressive. I'm just going to give you the word of God about Jesus Christ, and that's where God demonstrates his power. That ought to be a great encouragement to us. Your success in whatever ministry you're in does not depend upon you. It depends upon the word of God. Stick to the word. Stick to the word. You don't need um, church growth techniques. You don't need to read a whole lot of books on how to do it. Stick to the word. That's where the power is. He says, in fact, in this very chapter, chapter one of second uh, of 1 Corinthians 118, he says, for the for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who are unsaved, the word of the cross, the message of salvation looks like utter nonsense. A man who lived 2,000 years ago went to the cross, died, and because of that, if I believe that, then I'm going to go to heaven for all of eternity. That's nonsense, the world says. But, he says, to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God, because we understand that that was not just a man, that was God who became a man. And that he wasn't dying For anything that he had done, he was dying in judgment for our sins. He was dying in our place. And that we have no righteousness to stand before God. We must have the righteousness of Christ on our account. And that comes when we trust him as the one who bore our sins in his body on the cross. And to us, the gospel is the great news. We're being saved by it. It is the power of God. Remember when Paul said to the Romans, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If I read that correctly and the verses before it, I think Paul is saying that um, you you at Rome are hearing by others that I'm not going to come to Rome because I'm afraid to expose my message to the to the brilliant scholars in your city, the imperial city. And you're thinking that when these scholars and, and philosophers and orators and scientists of that day, when they look at my message and analyze it, they're going to find some inconsistency. They're, they're going to tear it apart and they're going to show the fallacies of it. And that's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of this gospel. I am not ashamed for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. He tells them he just couldn't get there at this point, but he didn't stay away because he was afraid that they'll, they'll show that his message was illogical or false. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. You have to have confidence in that as well. So, how did, the, how did the power of God enable Paul to endure all kinds of, of trials and how does it help us? You realize it's not up to us. 
When you're going through trials, there are times you wonder, is this really worth it? Is this really worth it? And when you're in the ministry, quite frankly, and this goes not just for me or Jack, it goes for all of us. When you're when you're ministering to people, there are great heartaches, great heartaches, because you realize you minister to people who have absolutely no response to what you're saying. They nod their head and then they go out and do whatever they want to please, regardless of of what the Bible has to say. And there are times you wonder, why am I doing this? Am I talking to a wall? Where is the Lord in all this? But you know what? What Paul is telling us, he endured because God is working in people's lives. May not be everybody that you see, but it is in the power of God. God is saving people. God is transforming people. He may not be doing it as quickly as we'd always like him to do it, but the power is the fact that we we endure because of the fact that it does not depend upon us. It's not us. It's not our cleverness. It's not our degrees. It's not how many books we've read. And those things are not bad, and, and God can use that. But it is the power of God to save and transform people through the preaching of the word. And what helps us to endure, and you know what helps us in in experiencing this power? Be weak. Be weak. Don't think the power is in you. Remember what Paul said? In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll, we'll get up to this. He says, when I'm weak, then I'm what? Then I'm strong. You could just reverse it. When I'm strong, then I'm weak. When I think it all depends upon me, that's when the power is not there. When I think and I'm dependent upon Lord, uh, the Lord, that's when the power is there. Let me, let me tell you something. I don't think I've ever said this publicly, so I know that you'll listen very clearly when I said this. But I've said it to others. There are times where um, I've studied all week and I just think I have the spiffiest message to, to, to give. And I and I think, you know what, if Paul saw this outline, he'd covet it. it it's that good. And um, I've gotten up and, and preached that and it's flat. There's nothing much to it. And, uh, and God rebukes me in my arrogance. Then there are other messages that I've looked at and, I, and I've said to Michelle, half-kiddingly, only half. I, I've said things like this. Michelle, listen very closely because this might be the last message they'll ever let me give. This is so flat. I'm boring myself with it. What I have found consistently is that God uses those messages far more. So pray every week I'll be bored and think it's flat. But uh, I have given messages where I have been so exhausted having flown some one time a red eye. And having done things like that, that I basically just read my message. I don't even know what I said. And there have been more uh, requests for tapes on those messages than any other. I ought to get them and see what I said. (laughs) But I'm telling you that the power is in the word of God. And when we're weak, he is strong. Let's bow for prayer. I want you to know as we're quiet before the Lord that God hasn't thrust you into a battle without providing resources. You're, You're not alone. And it's not simply that he's with you, but he's with you in terms of giving you the means by which to endure. You don't have to wonder if telling people the truth will do any good. It will do good because God uses the truth to change lives. So never give in. Winston Churchill was right. Never give in. But he just didn't go far enough. Never give in because you have his word and his power that strengthens you to endure. And if you've never experienced God's power to save you, I want you to know the gospel is the power of God. There is no other way to heaven. 
than through Christ. No other way to the Father because above all else, we need forgiveness. You need righteousness on your record. You don't have righteousness apart from Christ. No righteousness to stand before God. God in his holiness must send the person to hell who is not uh, does not have righteousness on his record, who has not been forgiven. And there is only one way to be forgiven and have his righteousness on your record, and that's by coming to faith in him. Repent of your sin. Turn from whatever you, you are aware of is sinful in your life, and that is the heart of rebellion against him. Turn to Christ. Turn to him as Lord and Savior. Embrace him. Follow him. I'll give us all a few minutes to think on this, apply this to our life, and then we'll close. Father, thank you that your word is truth. And we don't have to depend upon our own cleverness to come up with inspiring pep talks to people. It is the truth. We thank you that to an unbeliever, we, we know what to say. We realize this is not a license to be harsh or overbearing or feel like um, we have to jam the gospel down people's throats. But it does say that when you open the door, it's clearly an open door that we know what to say. Lord, I thank you that the power that helps us to endure is your power. And we're not there by ourselves. And we're not trying to change people's lives because we can speak more eloquently or we... Uh, have a command of the language or we impress people, that never changes anybody in the, uh, the inner man. It's only your word. So, Lord, help us to be like Paul in that we endure. We endure in the word of truth. We endure in the power of God, not in anything that we've come up with. I pray you'll encourage your people here this morning with your word, and I pray that you'll draw to yourself those who have never uh, tasted of the gospel. May they taste today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, now's the time. If you have questions, I'll have a phone number for you in just a moment. You've been listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you live nearby, please know that you are welcome at Lakeside and Pastor Steve would enjoy meeting you. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. Now for that phone number, 727-441-1714. That's the number to call if you want to know more about salvation or if you just want to find out more about Lakeside. And if you would like to request a free CD with all three parts of the sermon Pastor Steve just concluded, that's the number to call as well. Once again, it's 727-441-1714. We are thrilled that this radio station carries verse by verse so you can listen anywhere you go that has a radio. But sometimes we can't listen at the right time, can we? When that happens, there's no need to miss a broadcast because you can get caught up at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Go to the Message Archive page and you should find today's program at the top of the page. And if you missed any previous ones, you can search for the date you need in your web browser. Please feel free to download or stream as many as you'd like. There's also giving information on our giving page if you'd like to be a part of our team of supporters who make these Bible classes of the air possible. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. One other thing I'd like to mention while I have a moment, and this is for our blind listeners. If you have a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind and want a free audio Bible for your digital player, call 800 838 
888-888-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's blindbibles.com or 800-838-5924. This is Jerry Peterson. There's a scene in the first Captain America movie where Steve Rogers, before he becomes Captain America, is getting beat up by a much larger bully. Steve keeps getting up for more and eventually says, I can do this all day. In the second movie, now with his superpowers, he uses the same line in a huge fight with Iron Man. But in real life, taking a beating, either emotionally or physically, isn't something we can do indefinitely in our own strength, is it? We need help that only the Lord can provide. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues this series from 2 Corinthians 6 about hindrances to the gospel. (laughs) 